All right, Ute fans, welcome to the Utah Football Fans Podcast. It's always good to be with you. We are coast to coast and worldwide. We're sitting here at the bunker for another week. Looking forward to it. I'm Gary Axsmith with James Russin, Brynwood Church. Be sure to follow us on, uh, well, you can follow us on all the uh, social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, We've just started an Instagram, which is uh, Utah FB Fans. Look us up there. Of course, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, or you can just follow us at utahfootballfans.com. Find our podcast there. Uh, Email us if you'd like. It's utefootballfans at gmail.com. Again, that's utefootballfans at gmail.com. Or text us. 801-839-5622. 801-839-5622. All right. James, Bryn, how you doing? Good. What's going on? It was a good Saturday. Yeah. 2-0. It's where you want to be right about now. Absolutely. Yeah. A win's a win. We'll take it. Well, let's talk about the game against Northern Illinois. Really another blowout. 35-17, a good win. Let me again just begin uh, by reading some notes and stats about the game. Uh, not necessarily in any order, but and then we can make some comments about it. But let's see, Utah held Northern Illinois to just 31 yards rushing in the first half of the game. Um, they only ended up Northern Illinois rushing for a total of 67 yards the whole game. That's, of course, the second straight week uh, that we held a team under 100 in rushing yards. Um, The offensive line did not give a sack again this week, didn't give a sack again the first week against the Zubies. Now, that's good because apparently we had two O-linemen starters apparently didn't play this game. They were mm-hmm. out, so mm-hmm. we had two guys in. Um, that was manifest in a couple other ways, but as far as no sacks. Um, Zach Moss had 18 carries for the game, a total of 80 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, he was out at the end. That's that's good, though. Yeah. I mean, 18 carries versus, what did he have, 30-something against BYU? No, I don't remember what he had, but it wasn't. Like 29 or 29. something. It was high. It was, high. It, was too, it was too high. It was high. So only 18, but 80 yards. That That's okay. Two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Blackman, again, another pick. Two in a row. Two games in a row. Could have had a couple more. Should have had a couple yeah. more. Uh, Bradley and I, a career-high three <laughs> sacks in this game. He was he was all over the place. Yeah, he's an animal. Everywhere. It was, uh, he, had a, he had a great game. Devin Lloyd, career height t- uh, tackles for a, a game, and that was he had ten. But yeah. it was Francis Bernard who led the team with twelve tackles, and that's his best game since transferring to the Utes. As far as our punter, uh, Ben Lennon, we didn't ha- no field goal, no field goal attempts. But mm-hmm. Ben Lennon, uh, I found this impressive that uh, his punts were all down with inside the twenty yard line, the twelve, the nine the 16 and the 19 yard lines. That's good. That's that's great. So when you're yeah. punting, they have to be they begin within the 20. That's excellent. Um 
So Utes, I think, well, they did. They had a balanced offense for the game because they had 193 total yards rushing and 214 uh, passing yards for a total of 407 yards. That's a lot of yards. Dang. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a good production. I, and I, I mean, look, we've all heard people probably whining, bitching, and moaning. 407 yards. Yeah. Good game. In fact, it was the first game with uh, that the offense has gained 400 yards since Utah's win against Oregon last last year. I know that. Um. So the Huskies. That's Northern Illinois. Uh, they finished the game with a total of 302 total yards, no touchdowns in the second half. So Utah had one turnover, four sacks, and six tackles for loss against Northern Illinois. Not bad. No. Uh, there was, um, let's see, there was one other thing. I was So the first half, going into half, was 21-17 was the score. You, of course, Utah outscored them, and then at the, in the second half, Utah outscored them 14-0. That was the final uh, final score of 35-17. Um, so total yards, like I mentioned, 407 for the Utes, 302 for Northern Illinois. Again, no turnovers. Mm-hmm. The Utes did not have a turnover. The time of possession was essentially the same. Um like I mentioned, the Utes had 193 yards. Northern Illinois only 67, and they averaged per rush 2.68 yards. Now the Utes averaged 5.22 a, a carry. That's 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 impressive. Yeah. Um, passing, and this this kind of surprised me. It just you know, as I re- recall the game and. And it just felt like with Northern Illinois in their past game and so forth, the average yards per attempt, uh, the Utes, it was 11.26 yards. Northern Illinois was 7.58. And that's including that hmm. almost 75-yarder. Yeah, because it seemed like they had some big long throws. throws yeah, big but chunk that, plays. I'm, yeah. So I'm surprised by that, but... That's the stat. And, and in this game, we were 5 for 11 in third down conversions. That's got to go up. It's got to go up, but it's not. It's 50 per, almost, yeah, but it's last week we were worse. Yeah, we were worse, but against a team like this, there was a couple of, I recall, third and two, third and one. We should be able to just get up and, and out-muscle them, and we weren't able to, you know, against a team like Northern Illinois and, and obviously this week. I, those are the kind of things that you, we've got we to get better at. Getting those those third and short, you have to you have to get those. Again, we were playing with not all of our full O line, so I don't know if that makes a difference. But yeah, they probably haven't gelled yet, right? <laughs> Mr. Criddle, Mr. Criddle, paging Dick Criddle, uh, Dick Criddle, are you listening? Are you listening? I know you're listening. They haven't gelled yet, so. But at Wits, but at Wits um, press conference, what I listened to, he talked about that and. Uh, I mean, you can blitz on a pass, obviously, or you can run blitz, which they were doing against the Utes, and our guys weren't picking it up very well yeah. in their movement. Yeah. And I think that had to do because of a couple of guys. But but overall, um, I mean, there's improvement, but it's good. The, the other good thing that I did, I, you know, during the game, I didn't it didn't register with me, but we were five for five in the red zone. Yeah, all touchdowns. Hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. No field goals. 
which is incredible. You win a lot of games doing that. Oh, you, if you can do that, even if you can be 80%, we then s- we struggled with that last year, yeah. so that's and years past in general. Yeah, red zone so, production, so that's great. Well, and for me in this game in particular, and even the BYU game, I don't know what it is. The defense in the first half has just not looked as sharp. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know what's going on, but this game in particular, they they came out in the second half and just shut the door. So Bradley and I actually talked about that after the, the game, post game, post game. Yeah. And he said, he goes, I, for some reason, we're not coming out angry mm-hmm. in the first half. Mm-hmm. He said, we got to change that. We have to come out angry in that first half. Yeah. Or at least he said, I want to come out angry in the first half because, yeah, the last two games, that's what's happened is they kind of are just so-so first half. And then second half, they yeah. come out and just pound them. So he, he even talked about that. Well, NIU had, I think it was 233 total yards in the first half. And there were some big plays. I mean, there was that touchdown pass. There were some big plays in the entire second half. They had 69 yards. Right. So it just it just clamped down, didn't allow anything. We had a couple. We had the one pick. We should have had a couple more. And if they could play like that all four quarters, uh, this this defense could be elite. So The thing that I liked about the game is you get to see the second string guys, and that's exactly what you want on these non-conference yeah. games. That's what these non-conference games should be for. And last year when we played NIU, we didn't get to do that because it was kind of a <laughs> yeah. close, a close game. So I like that we were holding on. We felt confident enough that we can put these other guys in to get them some game experience because you never know when they're going to be called in to play. Yeah. So I liked that we were able to do that because that's exactly what you should be doing. I'm, You know, I don't... you know. For, we criticized them defensively in the first half, but what it felt to me, um, I don't think it was so much the defensive line as our secondary oh, was, was getting a, it torched. it was the back half. Yeah. And then, you know, the 174-yard touchdown, you know, we had a guy filling in. Yeah, Blackman was out. With the Blackman injury. was out, hurt. But, um, and so they took advantage of it. But it just felt like... The, their throw game was taking advantage of our our secondary, and that was not cool. Yeah, that's a worry considering, you know, what USC is looking like now with their freshman quarterback. Yeah, they we, looked good. And then we play Oregon. So I mean, I mean, well, that's way down the down the line. However, our our vaunted secondary got burned sometimes. That man, it didn't look good to me. Yeah. Felt like our line did all right, though, more or oh, less. Oh, the D line looked great, and Anai looked unbelievable. And one thing I've been super impressed with is our, our linebackers coming in to the you know, season with whatever the guy's name was that left. I can't remember his name. I don't even care. You know, and there's this question about Lloyd and Bowen. how he was going to do. Bowen. Thank Dick you. Award first the week. The first week's <laughs> Dick Award. How he was going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Devin Lloyd, he, he meets all the measurables, but then on the field, how's he going to do? I think the linebackers have looked great. They look good. I think they've looked really good. So they've led the team in, in tackles. Yeah. So yeah. it's good. If you were to grade, let me ask that. I'll just throw I'll just throw it out. Grade um so the run game. If I you're gonna grade the running game, Moss and the other backs. Well, I love what Moss has been doing, and I've seen this from him, and then I've noticed this from other other players, and not even just you know, running backs. I mean, think about the the score Huntley had. They're lowering their shoulder and they're they're driving an additional yard or two. I mean, Huntley 
in years past, he might have tried to avoid that contact or go down. He put his shoulder down and went through two guys. And that's always, I mean, Moss. I mean, that's Moss. Yards after, what is it, the stat? The, the yard after contact. Right. Oh, he leads the nation. Yeah. But I've noticed that other guys are doing this too. You know, I think it was Vickers got a, a ball out of the backfield at one point and ran a guy over, gained an extra two yards. I love seeing that. Um, how would you grade oh, the God, offense? That's a good man. question. Grade I, the offense. Uh, Break offensively, it down if you want. I, well, overall, I think offensively, I'd, I'd probably give him... I think I'd give both sides of the ball a B. Okay? A very solid... I mean, 407 yards is nothing to bat an eye at. That's good. It's really good. When you're, when you're watching the game live, we all want that... That 480-yard passing quarterback and, you know, eight touchdowns. We all want the, the Mahomes of the world. You know, it's a curse word in this house. But he's unbelievable. Everybody wants that, right? But Huntley played really, really well. The running game played really, really well. Um, when the defense in the second half, the second half I gave the defense an A, but overall I gave him a B. Um, room for improvement in some good areas. But overall, I like the direction we're headed. I think the defensive line's an A. If I'm going to rank them out separately, I give an A. Oh yeah, A I mean, to the D line linebackers, B to the secondary. Well, I give the you got if you break it down, corners versus safeties. I mean, Jalen Johnson didn't get burned. No, he almost had a pick too. I, and, um, I, I give the corners a little bit of, uh, better than the safeties. The safeties where we got burned on a couple of their mm-hmm. plays. Anyway, I mean, what do you think, Bryn? Any I don't, I don't really disagree with any of it. I think B, B plus for probably both sides of the ball, if I'm going to just grade them overall. I think some really, really promising things that we're seeing. Um, but I also think we're still kind of shaking off the dust a little bit. Yeah, and we're not showing a whole lot. What, yeah, one I thing I do want to see, I do want to see one thing. I want to see a, a receiver really step up and become the number one guy. Okay, when I watch other teams, they, they all have the receiver. And I think that's something that, that Ennis could do. I think he's got the, the physical traits. I, I think that they've held Covey back a little bit, whether he's 100% or whether they just don't want him to take hits. I don't know. Yeah. But he's not the Covey of no. last year yet. Um, so we kind of know what we're going to get with him. But I want to see a receiver step up. That's kind of on the offensive side. That's what I want to see. Well, we'll see. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with with multiple guys getting multiple catches as long as it is happening. As long as they catch it. As long as they're catching <laughs> the ball. If it's one guy one week, one guy the next week, I don't care. Get yards and put it in the end zone. But I'm with you. Covey, he's making his way back. There's no doubt. It takes a while to get. Yeah. Those ACL. Well, I like to use Dixon too. That's yeah. It's that good. That guy. I love watching him play. So. So um, let's talk Huntley. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of criticism of Huntley. Of course, my idiots that don't know. What I find about. it stupid because, <laughs> that? in fact, it's idiotic because he can only throw as many times as he's asked to throw the ball. He, if he doesn't throw 30 times, it's not because it's his fault. It's what the plays have been called. And in this game again, I can't remember what it was. His uh, what were the stat? Do you remember uh, the, the, for the game? The total stats. What he, yeah, what his percentage was in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't know the percentage was, but he went uh, 14 of 19. Okay, 14 of 19. And, 214 I can, and, and I can remember two guys dropping the ball. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you can, That's back-to-back weeks with so drops. So, last week. Yes. So, yeah. he's putting it where it needs to go. He's 
He's he's playing with confidence and he's he's running smart this year. Yes. He, he getting out of bounds or he's getting down. That makes a ton. Well, I, and no turnovers. It's good to me, but he doesn't have a turnover in in any we're the only team left in college football that has not turned the ball over and had a sack. That you're going to win a lot of games if you're protecting the quarterback and not turning the ball over. So the uh, you've heard of total QBR or QBR? Yeah. Um Total quarterback rating. It's, uh, well, if you listen to Witt's press conference, he goes, that's what you want to look at if you really want to assess how good your quarterback is, is the QBR. Now, look it up, everybody. It's, it's, it's pretty complicated, but let me just read somewhat in a summary form of what the QBR is. It, it's, it's far more complicated and detailed than just how many yards someone passed, uh, and attempts on all of that. That's simplistic compared to this, but it's a uh, statistic created by ESPN in 2011 to measure the performance of quarterbacks. It incorporates all of a quarterback's contributions to winning, including how he impacts the game on passes, rushes, turnovers, and penalties. Since QBR is built from the play level, it accounts for a team's level of success or failure on every play to provide the proper context, then allocates credit to the quarterback and his teammates to produce a clearer measure of quarterback efficiency. It was created to be a more meaningful alternative to the passer rating, which we hear, and that's what the NFL actually still uses. I know that's a lot of gibberish, maybe, and there's a lot more to it, but it's complicated. But again, this is what Witt says. If you want to know how good your quarterback is doing, this is it, QBR. And lo and behold, Tyler Huntley is ranked 10th in the country. country. In the nation. In the nation right now with a QBR rating of 85.5, leading it is Skyler Thompson of Kansas State, I believe it is. Yeah. He has a 97. And just for the record, all world, the chosen one, little Willie, and I'm, it's a of the Zoobs. He's number eighty-two. Wow! In QB, and that's generous considering that's uh, that's <laughs> eighty-two. Uh, so there you there you have it. Enough said about that. No more on that crap. I but, mean, Huntley. Look, the quarterback is always the one that gets oh, yeah. the most heat, the most criticism from fans. You know, here we are. The couch quarterbacks or whatever like we always want to criticize what he's doing but from what I've seen in these last two games he has improved what what I love seeing the most is that his decision making has oh yeah I mean there was a couple times on Saturday when he was getting pressure it was coming in on him and last year he would have tried to run straight through the middle taken you know four hits get tackled he stayed in the pocket, even with the pressure coming on him, threw the ball, we completed it, got yardage. Mm -hmm. He wasn't doing that last year. So to me, that's huge to see him improving, his decision-making. He's getting better every game. Yeah. one of the, There are two plays that stood out for me on Saturday for him. One, he, he pulled the ball, and he was running up the sideline, took what he could get, stepped out of bounds, didn't mm -hmm. take a hit. Mm -hmm. He gained 15 yards, stepped out of bounds, whatever it was. And didn't take a hit. And last year he would have taken last a hit. Last year he would have lowered his shoulder, tried to get a, an extra yard. And then the second play is we were in the red zone. He had pressure. He rolls out. Nothing is there. So he throws it away. Out of bounds. No, gets it 
out of his hand, doesn't take a hit, no sack, lives to play another down. Last year, he pro- he would have had to extend it, run it, something, probably taking a hit. But this year, he's it's it's smarter to protect the ball. And I think he has he's looked really, really good. He's played within the system. I love it. I feel like that's where we've kind of struggled with our quarterbacks in these past years is they don't progress. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you hope that when a guy is in his senior year, these are the things you're going to be seeing is progression from his sophomore year, his junior year. And we've, I don't know, in some of our quarterbacks in the recent years, they don't really progress. They that come in with yet. some hype and they just kind of plateau. They, yeah, they kind of stay the same. But like we're saying, Huntley is progressing and it's really promising to see. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm too. I think he's playing great. And if you take QBR seriously, he's 10th in the nation. That's impressive. Yep. Two games. We get it all. We get that. Yeah. We all get it. Uh, but the criticisms, I believe, are unfounded because we have a balanced offense between running and passing, and Huntley is doing his job. And that's what job. you want. You he's don't doing want, great. You don't want him throwing. We need both. He's we need a quarterback. Great. We need a running back. Yes. You need both. That's what our offense is built around. And, and I understand that some of the games that are going to come up in the future, we're probably going to need him to throw the ball more. I mean, when we play SC, we might need him to throw the ball more than 19 times a game. But in the he's playing, like I said, within the system. He's doing what's we'll being see. asked. And he's, he's, he's taking care of the ball. That's the number one thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, All right, you fans. We've got a special guest who is going to join the show with us. And that is R.J. Stanford. He's a former Ute. He ended up playing in the NFL for a number of years. Um, James, uh, just the other day, was able to have a conversation with him, and it, we recorded that. We wanted you to hear it. James, fill us in a little bit about RJ and a little bit about him. Yeah, so RJ uh, came to the U in 2006, was here from 2006 to 2010. Uh, he was here for the Sugar Bowl year, so that was pretty cool. Cornerback. Uh, yeah. He actually was recruited a much like a lot of the, the players from the U, he was recruited here as a running back and then got moved over to defensive back. Um, and then got drafted to the NFL, kind of bounced around a little bit there, but was able to make a career in the NFL for, what was it, five, six years, something like that. and Five or six, yeah, I recall. A couple different teams. and um, Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty good guy, and so we'll jump over to that. All right, let's hear from RJ. So joining us today on the Utah Football Fans Podcast... We've got former cornerback R.J. Stanford. How you doing, man? How you been? Hey, what's up, man? I'm good. Good to hear from you, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So uh, what have you been up to lately? Where are you living? What are you doing? Oh, man. Uh, what haven't I been doing lately, man? I, <laughs> um, I'm i living out here in the East Coast uh, at the nation's, uh, the, nas- the nation's capital um, out here in D.C. area. Um Formerly, uh, you know, got into the whole federal law enforcement world and then um, kind of transitioned that into the whole information technology. Is currently uh, in the cybersecurity role with the agency in Langley, uh, Virginia, uh, doing some contract and stuff with them. So it's keeping me busy. Um, went back to school and getting my whole master's uh, squared away as well. So That's cool. You're getting your master's degree? Yeah, yeah. That's cool, yeah. Man. Finally, Good you know, for you. You know, I'm a late bloomer, but, you know, I figured out. <laughs> no, that's know, awesome. what I wanted to do and, uh, you know, got into a program and uh, kind of suited the, the whole career. So That's awesome. That. So you spent some time post-Utah. You uh, you were drafted by Carolina, 
in the seventh round, and you yep. spent how many years there? Two or three? Two, two years in Carolina. Two years in Carolina, and then you went over to Miami for a couple years. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Did three, did three there. Um, uh, during my third year, I had an opportunity. I got into the whole free agency uh, circus and went to Cincinnati for like half a season and then Detroit and then back to Miami uh, late in that season. Um, and then after that, had opportunity to go to the CFL, uh, but signed a two-year deal and everything, man, but my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, man, I wanted to just keep my health and uh, start my second career and uh, got into the whole law enforcement world. Seems to be more and more people kind of doing that. I mean, we, we just saw Andrew Luck retire, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and which was crazy. It came out of nowhere, but it seems like more and more people from the NFL are looking at their long-term health and you know, as a fan, that can be that can be tough, especially when it's a you know a guy like Andrew Luck, who's a face of a franchise in the league. But you know, you got to look out for your your long term health and starting a new career. So good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the Luck situation, man, I'm not you know that's a personal decision on him, but it is a little shocking. I mean, coming from a quarterback, right? Um, yeah. You know, one of those positions that are protected, you know, for the most part, um, and for him to talk about you know, his injuries and getting beat up a little bit, making him want to retire early in a sense. Um, it was shocking to me. And, you know, I looked at it in the sense of, uh, I feel like he could have closed out a couple more years, right? Uh, <laughs> easily compared to uh, Brady, who's, what, 42? Yeah, he's 42, um, 43, something like that. Yeah, so I really, I mean, that was a shocker. I mean, I could understand from maybe an older, older player. Um, but even for me, man, it was just uh, kind of eye-opening when you kind of foresee some of the older veterans uh, playing. For me, it was a little more, uh, like I said, enlightening and, and eye-opening when, you know, I was witnessing guys man, just kind of in their early, not even 30s, right, living off of pain medicine. Yeah. So that was like, well, that's going to be me, you know, year 10. So I was like, eh. So he started evaluating things different. So, you know, for, for Lutz, I don't know what all his circumstances included, but it was definitely a shocker. Yeah. Well, before you retired, you uh, was just looking through some stuff. You had two career interceptions in the NFL, and both came off of a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. So that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take my, my, my two interceptions, career hey. interceptions off of Drew Brees and – it was during his record season, you know, uh, that season was one of his record-breaking years. Um, and so I'll definitely uh, cherish that moment um, off of Breeze and, and, and Flacco. Um, just in full circle, it was off of Steve Smith. So that was even more icing on the That's cake, right. The ball know, was going to Smith. The Ravens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a former youth, you know. And, uh, it, was, it came full circle. That one was special. That's cool. That one was a little more special. Now – the one off of Drew Brees, I got to give it to you a little bit because you got you got caught by a lineman and took you down. So that's <laughs> he had a better angle, man. That's all you know. <laughs> he was already the problem with that was he didn't run to the ball, right? No, you're right. When the ball leaves the hand of the quarterback, run to the ball, go downfield. He stayed right there at the line of scrimmage, so he already had an angle. I'm already 50 yards deep, man. So, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, man, you're, you're, that was going to the house. Yeah, I was going. Yeah, he, yeah, he was cherry-picking a little bit, man. So. 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, give yeah. me an idea. So why'd you pick Utah? I mean, you were out of California. Uh, what what what's the yeah. story behind that? Why Utah? Were you recruited elsewhere? Or was it oh, Utah yeah, early? Yeah, man. Well, let me give you the let me give you the long version. So I was recruited during my junior year, right? And Utah was one of those schools. Along with uh man, it was like Colorado State, Oregon State, uh UNLV, Nevada, um, UCLA, SC at the time. Uh for for full transparency, I got in trouble, right? My senior year. I got in a little bit of trouble. I got suspended for hazing. Um, and this is when it was just all new to me. I didn't even know what hazing was. But anyway, that's a whole other story. We can dig into a little bit more with details. But I was getting recruited, right? And now here I am in my senior year. This is the beginning of my senior year. So I missed two games. Uh, long story short, I get back into school and I start playing again. And Utah, at the time, still showed their loyalty, right? Um, there was a lot of other schools like Colorado and, like I said, USC. And Pete Carroll was actually coming to my high school uh, the week I was out, right? He's like, yo, where's RJ? And, oh, RJ's not here. He's suspended. So, you know, no school really wants to knucklehead off, yeah. off bat when they could grab another guy. Um, but despite the situation, despite what was going on, Utah still had their loyalty to me, right? And that, as a young kid growing up in high school, man, that, that was kind of monumental for me just to see that when you see all these other schools, they kind of, ah, unsure, or they, they want to pull their scholarship. Uh, but Utah really just stayed committed. And so I want to really return that favor. Um, so um, fast forward again, I went out there for my official visit. Um, coming from California, it was a change of pace. It was mountains right and uh it was cold it snowed a little more than i was used to in southern california and um it was a good environment man uh, i went out there and i met a couple guys who utah has a good pipeline with hawaii right so there was a lot of guys from hawaii texas um california and, and vegas and that was kind of the makeup of the demographic um besides the in-state guys uh of utah so i, I still felt at home um, but yeah, um, so I, so I took a chance, they took a chance on me. I just want to return that favor, um, and commit to them. And at the time they're still the, the smaller school beating up on the big, big guys, yeah. right? It was, it was the era, of, you know, I've seen Alex Smith and Eric Weddle and they're going to the bowl games every year, right? And they're in the Emerald Bowl and they're beating up on the, at the time it was Pac-10. Um, so they're still beating up on the bigger programs, uh, coming from the Mountain West and, and stuff. So seeing that was like, okay, you know, uh, and and it, it ended up being a good good choice. You know, we ended up having some winning seasons, yeah. right? Went undefeated and, and that old jazz in, in 08. So we ended up beating Alabama. So I think it was a, definitely a good choice um, on both sides. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, like you said, a lot of people, you know, when they they kind of see that, you know, guys getting in trouble or making mistakes. I mean, you're in high school, right? You make mistakes. You do dumb things. But the fact that Utah stuck around and, you know, saw the potential, that's, uh, I think that speaks a lot to the program, to the coaches, to the culture. I think that's, that's pretty neat. So um, you yeah. mentioned that you uh, were part of that, that 08 Sugar Bowl team. Um, what, what was that team like? I mean, you know, as a fan, you can kind of see some outside stuff. Was, it, was there just something different about that team? Uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to be unselfish, right? Um, what the ultimate goal was, hey, I don't care who ran for 100 yards. I don't care who scored what touchdown. 
it was more about did we win, right? And the whole goal and the premise was let's get this W together as a team. And just kind of building that culture of uh, unselfishness. Um, you have guys, right? We all play the same position. Maybe, you know, five guys playing that one position. But at the end of the day, it's like, hey, if you're in the game, I want you to succeed. I want you, hey, let's get three and out on defense. Let's get off the field. Let's get the offense back on the field. Like, let's give them the ball. Let's uh, hold on to the ball. So it wasn't an individual sport, right? And that was the culture. It wasn't individuals at the time. It wasn't so much about stats and who was doing what. It was more so, um, you know, let's let's get this together in, in this W. And I think that's, you know, just a culture that, that you saw, you know, like I said, uh, Kyle Whittingham did a great job along with the other coaching staff um, building that culture, and we just kind of fostered that. That's pretty cool. And it's 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 – you know, led to today. I watched, you know, games right now and it, you know, they rotate guys, especially the defensive line. I mean, they're constantly rotating, you know, cornerbacks, nickelbacks, and then that defensive line, it's just a, it's a rotation. Um, and you've got to have that attitude. Otherwise, if guys are out there playing for themselves, it, it, it just doesn't work. And you can see that on the field. You can, you can see that, like you were saying, it's a culture thing. So that's pretty cool. So, um, what's your, what's your favorite memory as a youth. Now, that 08 season was pretty special, right? So I would imagine that, you know, the Sugar Bowl is pretty special and that's it and then awesome. But what what kind of stands out to you in your mind when you think about your days at Utah? Oh, man. Uh, it was all special, man. Because I can look back now in hindsight and just really see how special it was when I talk about those relationships and that unselfishness um, that, I, that I'm talking about is when you're out there on the field and a lot of those memories come from, you know, the third down jump, right, in, in the must. And there was a lot of pressure moments, yeah, especially let's just talk about that 08 season, um, the pressure that we just put on ourselves and the pressure that is, to be undefeated and stay undefeated throughout mm-hmm. the season. Um, there was a lot of moments where, you know, it was crunch time and you're in the clutch and it's third down. And you can look to your left and your right and you can stand in the huddle and you see a smile on one of your teammates' face. You guys are cracking jokes inside the huddle. But, you know, in between those whistles, you guys are after that same goal. You guys want to stop this ball or, or you know, you want to score this touchdown and, and just uh, win the down, you know. And that was the biggest thing that was preached. So, um, you know, my favorite memory, I guess, to answer your question, was just uh, those, those memories and those tight pressure situations that could have – that could break a lot of people that are selfish. I feel like a lot of selfish teams and a lot of blaming, uh, you know, there's kind of this motto, right? Where it's like, you win as a team, lose as individuals. Um, Oh, wait, we didn't experience that. But when things are going bad, even in a game that you, that you are winning or losing, you know, you start to point fingers that, oh, well, the, uh, if the kickoff, you know, was just, you know, if we'd have got to the 20 or if that guy would have caught the ball, if that, you know, if you wouldn't have missed that, that tackle, you know, there wasn't a lot of that, you know. And so looking back in hindsight, I could appreciate those moments where, you know, whether the game is going good or bad, you know, you still bond together as a family. And, and those pressure moments, you kind of take the pressure off of everybody within that huddle, within that, within that moment. Um, and it paid off, you know. You see it pay off, you know as the game goes on or you win that game and, you know, you just have a winning season, right? Yeah. So 
I know they. I don't know if they did it when you were when you were playing, but currently they'll break the huddle with you know one two three family. Did they do that when you were there? Was that something? No, we didn't. No, yeah, that must. Yeah, that must know, be more. You know, I'm a dinosaur, you know. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? I mean, that that's the culture. Yeah. So, you know, did I'm it feel like a family? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it it definitely did. Um, it definitely did. And not just on the field, you know, and that's what I'm saying. You're talking about, you know, in the weight room, you're talking about in the classroom, and just uh, hanging on the weekends, you know, you just really form a bond with a lot of those guys. And, I mean, even to this day, you know, I, I pick up the phone and I'm hanging out with, with some of those same guys that I was that was that I played with throughout those years um, that even went to the NFL or didn't, but we still keep in contact and we keep in touch as a family. That's awesome. So do you – you keep in touch with former players. Do you still follow the the program these days? Yeah, yeah, not as not as much. I need to make it out to a game. I haven't been out there, man. I, I can't remember when. Um, maybe 2015 or something. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I definitely follow, man, just because you know that's just you're indebted to the program. You know, yeah. so you're always keeping up, seeing what's going on, and you know, placing little friendly wages. But that's you know. Another not that we, not that we but, encourage that on this on this program. Yeah, yeah, we we'll don't encourage that. You know, we'll encourage that. But you know, it's just uh, you know the bragging rights. You know that you can talk about. So okay, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna finish with this. I I want I'm I'm wondering. Give me your favorite either Whittingham ism, favorite Whittingham quote, a, a moment. Kind of give us a peek behind the curtain of what, what Whittingham's like. Because <laughs> he he's very calculated when he's in front of the media, and then you get him, you know off script and I, I would imagine he's a little bit of a different guy. Uh, a different guy. Uh, not, 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 it didn't really vary that much. Right. It didn't really vary too, too off the script. Um, you know, I don't know if I can repeat this stuff over, over here, but you know, <laughs> here's no, you're guy, good. you know, we talk about the, the Whittingham ism, you know, he yeah. got us like, you know, you know, it really cast my ass, you know, and he was just like, you know, uh, real passionate. I had the pleasure to, when I was a nickel and I was nickelback, I had the pleasure of being coached by him. So when we did our, we had our team meetings and then when we broke off into our position meetings, it was me and two other guys who were playing the nickel position at the time. We would go in his office and watch film and we were always breaking down film. And, uh, you know, it was just always funny, you know, watching film and, you know, we're pausing the film and, you know, some guy would, you know, he, he would just break it down, right? And some guy made a mistake or he he went this way when he should have stayed contained on the left side and he just paused in the film and just really, and you know, it really taps my ass and he's going to just rewind it and, and point that guy out. Um, and, man, but he was just, when I say it doesn't really vary, it didn't really vary a lot, man. I remember, um, you know, he, he was fair. There was a time when I was, there was a guy, um, I think it was Justin Jones. <laughs> it, 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 he was on his phone, right? We're, we're in the meeting room. He's on his phone. That was just a big no-no, right? We're sitting there watching film. His phone goes off. And first of all, it shouldn't have been in his office in the meeting room. But it went off. And, you know, Whittingham just kind of put him and stopped the film. Like, you know, was that your phone? He, he knows the answer. He just wanted to see what you are going to say. And uh, Justin Jones says, uh, you know, yeah, that, that was – that was my phone, and uh, you know, you just see Whittingham just boil inside. But 
<laughs> to be even killed. He wanted to probably throw that remote at the screen just because it was just a violation of, you know, what we were doing and, and the importance of what was going on at the, in that moment. But he really was just a, a calm and almost like a father figure. I mean, he was a father figure to a lot of us on, on the team, but just as a father would discipline his child, you know, he said, hey, I better not see that again and, and put it away. And next thing you know, he's doing punishment workouts the next morning. Uh, <laughs> but that was the respect that, you know, you have for that coach. You know, you know what to expect from him. He was a very direct guy, firm, uh, but at the same time loving like a father. So uh, much respect to Whittingham and, and the culture that he fostered there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you jumping on with us. I hope things are uh, going well for you. And, and uh, like I said, thank you for taking some time. And uh, hopefully hopefully you get out to a game this year. Let me know. We'll get you some tickets. Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on where I got up with Bryce McCain and Robert Johnson and John Smith and some of those other guys. We're planning on coming out in October Awesome. Uh, for a game. I got in touch with uh, Joe Dale. I know he's coaching now, too. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we're planning on making a trip out there in October. So. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get together. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Yep. Wow. Wow. Big thanks to RJ for joining us. He's a great, well, was a great Ute. He's a great guy. Uh, I'm glad he came to Utah and I appreciate his insights, man. Those are those are sweet. Those are just things we don't we don't get to see. And and I'll just say this. Uh, and props to RJ for hanging in the league for five or six years. Yeah, that is not easy. No, uh, you got talent and willpower to do that. So all the prop, props in props, the world, man. Yeah, props to him to then continuing his life and finding another pathway because that's got to be hard to give up what you've been doing for so long. Mm-hmm. So. Cool to hear from a different perspective. <laughs> Not the fan, the actual guy the who's actual in guy. the trenches doing it. So standing on the field watching the, th- the third down jump from <laughs> yeah. that side. Yeah. So yeah. no, thanks to RJ. Yeah. Thanks, RJ. Fantastic. Much appreciated. And a great shout out to the Mus, by the way. Heck it yeah. does matter. It does matter. <laughs> Mus. It makes, matters. Makes it difference. makes a difference. All right. Let's uh just briefly, uh, because the season is so is you know, so early yet, but, you know, the rankings have come out. For instance, the CBS um, poll, Utah at 11. The coaches poll, we're at 12. Of course, the coaches poll, it's, it's the coaches dumb. don't do it. It's some stupid administrator it. goofball yeah. who's who's voting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you watch the game and they just go, oh, 12. Yeah. yeah. And then so the AP would... has Utah at 11. So... Any thoughts on what are your thoughts on that at this point? Eleven. Now think about it. Eleven, 11. and twelve in the nation. I mean, it's great. It's 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 too early, right? But you, you, if you can start this high like we are, you've got the potential to move up. If you start unranked or twenty three at this point, you have a really hot. You got a, a a big hill to climb. But being at eleven, it is all. It's a strange thing, you know, to jump three spots when we beat a no name. But hey, it's, but hey, it's, we'll take it. we're well, 11, and as the games great. go on, more people in front of us have got to play each other, and, yep. and teams are going to lose. And you win your games, you're just going to move up. It's great. Well, fact, we're yeah, yeah, highest in the Pac-12. The fact of the matter yeah. is, is yeah. that the next when it really doesn't come down to it for all teams in the next three to four weeks is going to show 
really what teams are all about. Look yep. at Utah's mm-hmm. schedule in, in four weeks from now. Ooh, we're going to yeah. be in the top five, 10, or we're going to be way back. <laughs> it, it's going to, that's, you're exactly right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, this, these first three weeks, there's some fun games. There's some fun out of conference games, you know, to watch, but it's the next, it's yep. the next five, six weeks. That's where it's made. And you're right, Bryn. I've got the ESPN power rankings uh, of the Pac-12 and Utah number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, but what I find interesting is um, Washington State number two is number two in the ESPN. The, then Oregon. They're the dark horse. Then USC. Then Cal. Then Colorado. Then Washington. Then Arizona State. Washington we, at seven on that. We play. All of those people. Good. <laughs> See? Okay. Even the years that we dodge Oregon. Oh, no, we don't dodge Oregon. No. Even the years we dodge Stanford. Right. Um, who else we dodge this so year? So, of the... I don't even know. We're number one, but every Golly. other team in the, the top eight of the... We play. Right now, we play. So, everyone that thinks this is, you know, piece of cake... No, 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 no. No, no, no. Well, see, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The Pac-12 is the funkiest conference huh? in the country, and you saw that on Saturday... I mean, Washington losing to Cal. At like 4 a.m. No uh, one was watching. Well, no one was watching, but hello. Still, still they lost. Again, you, you'd look at that and go, oh, Washington, no no doubt is going to well, win that. And then USC coming out and throttling. Killing Stanford. Well, and I then mean, you know, so USC yeah, Stanford. sucks. Stanford. And they look good doing it. It wasn't a fluke. With his backup quarterback. So that one. But like UCLA, they're awful. No, they're garbage. But they're going to beat somebody. They'll beat somebody. They'll beat somebody this year because that's just how the Pac-12 works. It is. So it's so. we've got a long road ahead of us. Yeah. So Utes, Utes. We we hear a lot that it's, it's this easy road to the championship no. game no, and the Rose Bowl. Be hard. According to right now, we play eight of the, <laughs> eight of the teams that are in the ESPN power rankings right now. And Things will change, but look. A lot of football. And that we, Washington State game. They is scare me. Gonna be, they're going to be that's good. That's going to be a. That's be fun. Home. If that's homecoming. Home game. So, man. Love it. When is that? September twenty eighth. That's homecoming day. So sweet. We need a crowd. All right, Utes. Uh, we're winding down. Just a couple other things. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have an opinion on this. Who went to the game or just watched it? But the eleven a.m. start. Um. I have, my opinion has not changed. In fact, it's been solidified because of that freaking game. I hate 11 a.m. I think it's garbage. Absolutely. Yep. What do you What do you think, Brie? I Everything that we said was going to happen happened. Yep. Um, huh, who could have thunk? No, the tailgating just no tailgating. wasn't there. The you know, all tons of the tailgate. We couldn't spots. tailgate. We couldn't tailgate. I'm sorry. We've I had three kids at soccer games, and my husband had to go deal with that while I had to go to work, and it's like. You do what you got to do, and so tailgating falls by the wayside. And for some people, unfortunately, that meant the game fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You just have too many other things going on. The excitement wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no energy. The stadium was the half stadium empty at kickoff. The stadium was empty. I mean, everything we said was going to happen happened. And unfortunately, I know Witt's comments after the game, he was disappointed to see the crowd. He said he thought that a top 15 team should have a better crowd. This is the only time I've ever disagreed with Kyle Whittingham. I will say that. I don't agree that it should be 11 a.m. Didn't he change his tone, though? He changed his tone. Today they asked him in his press conference, and he kind of said, look, I, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I prefer the early games, but I understand that that might not work for I mean, our I, fans. So, I get why he likes the early games. He doesn't yeah. have to babysit for 19 hours. But 
the the fans and plus it was a thousand degrees. Yeah. It's just it's too early. This week it's two fifteen people. That's manageable. That's better. Two fifteen. Let's be on time. I know the opponent's not fantastic, but we're a top eleven freaking team. The, the, if you turn on the TV and there's another top eleven team, you turn on LSU or you turn on yeah, you watch it, watch it. Okay, the sta- the stadium is packed and rowdy before kickoff. I hope so. Two o'clock will be all right. I mm, hope so. Well, I, it's Idaho State. I mean, there's some draw. There's some draw. There's some uh, drama uh, there. Non draw. <laughs> but look, it's a football game. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a beautiful day. Uh, Get there. Uh, be there. Ranked eleven. It'll it'll be fun. It'll be easier. I I don't blame the fans. 11 o'clock game's tough for people. Yeah. No, and can I just say this? Say it. We'll let you say it. Stop treating the must like they're different than any other fan. I always get the, why is the must not there? Why is the must not there? The students behave the same way as the other fans. There were empty seats everywhere, everywhere in that entire stadium. My entire section was, my entire row was empty until the third quarter. Exactly. So, so yes, the must was not full, but the entire stadium was not full. Okay. As you can hear by the passion and the comments, we do not like the early morning starts. Okay, this week, 2.15, that's better. Idaho State, we're not going to say anything about them because we don't know anything and we don't need to know anything. <laughs> and the youth should freaking steamroll them, period, done. All right, we're coming to the end, and it's the uh, Dick Award. The weekly Dick Award, and it goes to Spencer Tears. I think that's how you say his name. Maybe it's Tears, but it's it's Spencer Tears, number 14, Northern Illinois. Now, when he caught the ball for that 74-yard touchdown, as he, he rambled, or rumbled, <laughs> rambled, rambled, I can't speak, but he rumbled into the end zone. He flipped the U, and then he turned it upside down, mocking. Oh, such a burn. You know, I don't really give a crap. I mean, maybe maybe I would have done that too if I was him, but be that as it may, it's a dick move from a dick player. It's a slam to the youths, and we kicked the crap out of him. Yeah, I mean, you, That's you, the you point. play for Northern Illinois. Dude. Know your place. Enjoy that you just scored. It, celebrate. In, in front of probably the biggest crowd you're ever, you'll ever play in front of. Enjoy the moment, but... but dude. Come on, <laughs> dude. Don't flip it, the... And I don't... He might have caught one ball after that. Because that was... Late in the game, or in the second, or in the first, uh, first half, I don't know if he caught another ball. I think he had like was 114 yards or something. So he thinks he's all hot. Well, well, one of that was on one play. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't score again. No, so. they didn't score again. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. He he had a decent game. I'll give him that, but it was garbage. Yeah. And so in honor of his dick actions, he gets the uh, <laughs> thank you for adding a word. <laughs> the dick. <laughs> Award. All right, All everybody, right. look, follow us. Please follow us. Follow our podcast. You can find us iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, or just go to www.utahfootballfans.com. We're all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us or text us, 801-839-5622. And like we all should be saying and all, all the time, <laughs> go Utes. Go Utes.